Chapter Nineteen, Lots of Things, of Trials and Confessions of a Housekeeper. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Trials and Confessions of a Housekeeper, by T. S. Arthur, Chapter Nineteen, Lots of Things. Oh dear. "'said I to Mr. Smith one morning, "'as we arose from the breakfast-table, "'at which we had been partaking of rather a badly cooked meal. "'More trouble in prospect.' "'What's the matter now?' asked Mr. Smith, "'with a certain emphasis on the word now "'that didn't sound just agreeable to my ears. "'Oh, nothing, nothing,' I answered, "'with as much indifference of manner as I could assume.' "'You spoke of trouble,' said he kindly, "'and trouble, in my experience, is rather more tangible than nothing. "'I've another raw Irish girl in the kitchen who, "'according to her own confession, hasn't been above ten days in the country. "'Isn't that enough?' "'I should think so. "'But why, in the name of goodness, "'did you take another of these green islanders into your house?' "'It's easy enough to ask questions, Mr. Smith,' said I, a little fretfully. "'But—I checked myself. "'We looked at each other, smiled, and said no more on the subject. "'Your name is Anna, I believe,' said I, as I stepped to the kitchen door a couple of hours afterwards. "'That's my name,' replied the new domestic. "'I will send home a loin of veal and some green peas,' said I. They are for dinner, which must be ready at two o'clock. You know how to roast a piece of veal, I presume? Leave me for that same, honey. And the green peas? All right, Mum. I've lived in quality houses since I was so high I can cook anything. Very well, Anna. We will see. I have to go out this morning, and you must do the best you can. Don't fail to have dinner ready by two o'clock. Mr. Smith is a punctual man. Anna was profuse in her promises. "'If,' said I, recollecting myself, as I was about opening the street door and returning along the passage, "'if anything is sent home for me, be sure to take it upstairs and lay it carefully on my bed.' "'Yes, mum. Now, don't forget this, Anna.' "'Ah, never fear, I hate, mum. I'll not forget a word of your instructions.' I turned away and left the house. My principal errand was a visit to the milliner's, where I wished to see a bonnet I had ordered before it was sent home. It was this bonnet I referred to when I desired Anna to place carefully on the bed in my chamber anything that might come home. On my way to the milliner's I stopped at the grocer's, where we were in the habit of dealing, and made selections of various things that were needed. The bonnet proved just to my taste— it was a delicate white spring bonnet with a neat trimming, and pleased my fancy wonderfully. "'The very thing,' said I, the moment my eyes rested upon it. "'Do you want a box?' asked the milliner, after I had decided to take the bonnet. "'I have one,' was my answer. "'Oh, very well. I will send the bonnet home in a box, and you can take it out.' "'That will do. Shall I send it home this morning?' "'If you please.' "'Very well. I'll see that it is done.' 
After this I made a number of calls which occupied me until after one o'clock, when I turned my face homeward. On arriving I was admitted by my new girl, and, as the thought of my beautiful bonnet now returned to my mind, my first words were, "'Has anything been sent home for me, Anna?' "'Ah, oh, yes, indeed, mum,' was her answer. "'Lots of things.' "'Lots of things?' said I, with manifest surprise, for I only remembered at the moment my direction to the milliner to send home my bonnet. "'Yes, indeed,' responded the girl. "'Lots! And the man brought him on the funniest wheelbarrow you've ever seen.' "'On a wheelbarrow?' "'Yes, and such a wheelbarrow. It had a whale on each side, as I'm a living sinner, mum, and a cunning little whale in front, cocked way up until the air, that didn't touch nothing at all, at all.' "'There's no such wheelbarrows as that same in Ireland, my lady.' "'And what did you do with the lots of things brought on this wheelbarrow?' said I, now beginning to comprehend the girl. "'Put them on your bed, sure.' "'On my bed?' I exclaimed in consternation. "'Sure, and didn't I remember the last words you spake to me? "'Anna,' says ye, "'Anna, if only thing is sent home for me, be sure to take it carefully upstairs and laid on me bed, and I did the same. Sure I couldn't have found a nicer place if I'd gone the house over. Turning from the girl I hurried upstairs. It was as I had too good reason to fear. Such a sight as met my eyes. In the center of my bed, with its snowy white marseilles covering, were piled lots of things, and no mistake. Sugar, tea, cheese, coffee, soap, and various other articles, not excepting a bottle of olive oil, from the started cork of which was gently oozing a slender stream, lay in a jumbled heap, while on a satin-damask-covered chair reposed a greasy ham. For a moment I stood confounded. Then, giving the bell a violent jerk, I awaited in angry impatience the appearance of Anna, who, in due time after going to the street door, found her way to my chamber. I exclaimed. What in the name of goodness possessed you to do this? And I pointed to the bed. Sure, and you told me to put them on the bed. I told you no such thing, you stupid creature. I said if a bonnet came to put it on the bed. Oh, sorry, what did you ever say about a bonnet, mum? It's the first time I ever heard anything about a bonnet from your blessed lips, and that's true. "'Where is my bonnet, then? Did one come home?' "'Please, mum, and there did, and a pretty one it is, too, as ever my two eyes looked upon.' "'What did you do with it?' I inquired, with a good deal of concern. "'It's safe in that great mahogany closet, mum,' she replied, pointing to my wardrobe. I stepped quickly to the mahogany closet and threw open the door. Alas, for my poor bonnet! It was crushed in between two of Mr. Smith's coats, and tied to a peg by the strings, which were, of course, crumpled to a degree that made them useless. "'Too bad, too bad,' I murmured as I disengaged the bonnet from its unhappy companionship with broadcloth. As it came to the light, my eyes fell upon two dark spots on the front, the unmistakable prints of Anna's greasy fingers.' This was too much. I tossed it in a moment of passion upon the bed, where, 
In contact with the lots of things, it received its final touch of ruin from a portion of the oozing contents of the sweet oil bottle. Of the scene that followed, and of the late badly cooked dinner to which my husband was introduced an hour afterwards, I will not trust myself to write. I was not, of course, in a very agreeable humor, and the record of what I said and did, and of how I looked, would be in no way flattering to my own good opinion of myself, nor prove particularly edifying to the reader. I shall never forget Anna's new variety of whaleberry, nor the lots of things she deposited on my bed. She lived with me just seven days, and then made way for another, a little more tolerable than herself. End of chapter 19 Lots of Things Read by Kehinde of Bahatrek.com